What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this jam-packed, busy Friday, October the 7th, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program here in early October. The baseball playoffs have commenced the uh, second ever American League and National League wildcard series to begin the 2022 MLB postseason. Uh, began at uh, roughly a little after 12 o'clock on uh, fr- on uh, e- on the East Coast Friday afternoon uh, in the West Coast uh, Friday morning over your coffee and uh, bagel and cream cheese. I will uh, get into that and lead with it here to start out the show. And don't you worry, I am aware that it's a jam-packed busy NFL a uh, weekend across the board. Week five, you got P- Giants and Packers, which is a uh, which you know on paper is a solid game with both teams heading into this game at three and one, playing over in London. Cowboys and the Rams. They get into why I think the Dallas Cowboys have a, have a tremendous chance of winning that game and putting themselves in a great situation for Dak to come back in the next uh, few weeks. Of course, Bengals and uh, Ravens. The matchup of Week Five coming up on Sunday Night Football here in the four one zero Raiders and Chiefs on Monday Night Week Five picks. And then, of course, I will try to recap and try to give you my comments commentary on what was one of the uh, on what was one of the worst football and this is not I understand that us as fans we say that uh you know we say that all the time we say this all the time but that was one of the worst football games if you've watched football for any period of time that was one of the worst football games NFL football games we've ever seen and you know that and that the human eye can put that can put their eyes on because that game wasn't just bad it was unbleeping watchable i will get into that as far as the uh, the qual- the piss poor quality of the game uh nathaniel hackett needs to go russell wilson is trash I will uh, I will give you the lowdown on what was just a, an absolutely just offensive to the damn senses of a football game to sit up there and dedicate three uh, three hours of your uh, of your Thursday night to sit down and watch because that 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 was just that that was a absolute just disgrace what I saw on uh, on Thursday on Thursday night. Anyway, we shall begin with the aforementioned MLB with the aforementioned MLB playoffs with the postseason beginning here on Friday. Uh you got uh four wild card ma- you got four uh, wild card matchups, two in each league. Tampa, the Tampa, Seattle, and Toronto are your three wild card teams with the divisional winner, the lowest ranked, the third uh, the third best team in the American League, the the worst out of the three divisional winners in the American League being the Cleveland Guardians, the winners of the American League Central Division, uh, going up against the highest ranked wildcard team in the Tampa Bay Rays in the first American League wildcard series. And then in the uh, second wildcard series, you got, you got a matchup between the Seattle Mariners. Of course, like we discussed earlier in the week, first time since 2001, they are playing uh, a 163rd and 64th and if necessary 65th game of their season going as they have to as they made the sojourn east from 
from Seattle to uh, Toronto across the border and uh, cross country, cross country and over the country to go play the Toronto Blue Jays. Meanwhile, on the National League side, you have the St. Louis Cardinals are your uh, third were not necessarily to the fault of the Cardinals because the because the Mets and the Braves both over both won over a hundred games and the Dodgers won one hundred eleven games for crying out loud so the Cardinals were pretty much the third had the third worst uh, record amongst National League division winners just by default and they will take on the uh, Philadelphia Phillies who also as well as we touched on earlier in the week they ended the they ended what what would they ended the National League's longest uh, play longest drought uh, in between playoff appearances with the Philadelphia Phillies having not been since 2011. And the irony is, I tweeted this out. If you follow me on Twitter and put this on my story, you follow me on uh, Instagram as well at the J Shield. That it's ironic that it was funny that the Philadelphia Phillies, at one moment in time, held the quote unquote crown so to speak of of being of of owning the longest uh postseason drought in the sport they held it for about two and a half three days after the manners walked off the uh royals last friday night they held it for about two and a half three days and then once philadelphia punched their postseason ticket earlier earlier in the week now it goes all the way uh now that it goes from 20 it goes from what it goes from 21 years to 11 years down to eight with the Tigers and the um, with the Tigers and the Angels both. And I believe the no, I believe uh, no, it's, I think it might be the Pirates first and then it's the tie and I'll double check that the Tigers, the Angels and uh, and the uh, and the uh, the Tigers, the Angels, and the Pirates, as far as the longest uh, postseason droughts in the sport. Let me double check that just before we move on, um, because I saw it earlier this week. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, with the longest playoff droughts, yeah. So okay, so I got it right. So the Tigers and the Angels both share it at eight seasons. They the last appearance was in 2014, eight years ago. And they have missed it from 15 up to this year. They co-share it with they co-share it with uh, with eight. Their last uh, playoff appearance coming at the same time, 2014. Pittsburgh Pirates are second in line with seven, and having not made the postseason since 2015. That uh, have not made it since 2015. They haven't made it since the the and they shared with the Kansas City Royals who haven't made it since. Uh, and haven't played an ounce of postseason baseball since uh, the 2015 uh, World Series where they won it, beat the Mets at City Field. And right behind that, it's the Baltimore Orioles who haven't uh, played a postseason game since Zach Britton, since the infamous Zach Britton mistake with Buck Showalter up in the sixth, losing to an Edwin Encarnacion walk-off three-run home run in the wildcard game. And the Rangers, who ended up getting beat, uh, by Toronto later on in that later on in that postseason and in, in the ALDS have not made it back since as well. So it's gone from so it went from 21 to 11 now down to eight as far as the current playoff droughts happening in the sport and the and the Philadelphia Phillies held it held the uh, held the quote unquote infamous crown so to speak with the longest drought in the sport for a for a rough period of about two and a half three days and then they clinched their ticket as well when they played. Houston earlier this week, which I which I also find to be quite ironic, 
because the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the uh, because the Philadelphia Phillies were playing the Atlanta Braves in 2011, and uh, and they need and they were playing the Braves in 2011 in that infamous 162. Uh, 162 September 28th, uh, uh, 11 years ago, and what was the team? And the Cardinals were playing. Uh, and the Cardinals were playing in Houston. Uh, in Houston, and won that game. And won that game forthright, which puts, which if I'm not mistaken, put the screw or made life difficult for the Braves to win it. And the Braves, of course, didn't get in. The irony of all of that is. The the Phillies played the Cardinals their first postseason series in eleven years, which I found to be quite interesting, uh, as well. But anyway, let's break down the uh, let's break down these series. I will do the temp. I'll go in order. So I'll start with Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Uh, with Tampa Bay, this is they got they they lack the problem with Tampa Bay is and what you would worry about. Now, granted, in the po- winning in the postseason and scoring runs in the playoffs, you know, in October is different. Is a it's it goes about it. It's a different animal than trying to score runs in uh, than trying to score runs in in April, May, June, July, and August. Simply because of the fact that runs that runs aren't that runs are harder to come by because the because the ante is is raised with the increased level of pitching, not just starting pitching, but of course, uh, but of course a bullpen help as well. The ante is raised, thus the and and if you've watched baseball and are a baseball fan for any uh, a decent period of the time, you know you know good pitching stops good hitting any day of the week. You know, you could hit the ball out of the ballpark and be a dynamic offense so the cows come on, but if you run to a team that's got a dynamic starting pitching staff and knows how, and with a lockdown bullpen with a couple of guys in the back end where they come in eighth and seventh, eighth and ninth inning and it's good morning, good afternoon, good night, you got no shot. So uh, and the thing that will worry about Tampa, although the fact that they can pitch and they and that's one of the reasons why they continue to make the playoffs on a year and year basis is the fact that they are able to pitch well, whether it be Glass now, whether it be uh, McClanahan, you name it. Is the thing that would bother you about Tampa is the fact that the, as with their lack of power. I understand that you know that you can't always rely on the home run ball to win games, but the problem is, but the double edged sword with that is that sometimes. You get just you. Sometimes you get the timely home run, the, whether it's the three run home run, the one, whatever it is, you get the timely home run, and it does you and it does you it does your favors. You know the one the one the one home run blast in a in a in a one nothing pitcher's duel or two nothing or two one one nothing pitcher's duel, it can end up being the difference maker in the game. And the thing that would worry you a little bit with um with Tampa Bay is that they don't hit the ball out of the ballpark a whole hell of a lot. And, you know, in this day and age of, of home run hitting baseball, you gotta, you know, you look at, you just do yourself a favor and just look up and down the rosters of every team that's playing in the postseason. You know, Cle- uh, Cleveland, they got Jose Ramirez who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. The Phillies have, uh, the Phillies have Kyle Schwarber. The, uh, the, the Cardinals have, uh, the Cardinals have Goldschmidt, they have Arenado, and then of course they have Albert Pujols with 700 home, with 700 career home runs. Seattle, Julio 
Julio Rodriguez, who they miss. Uh, but he can, but he can hit the ball out of ballpark with the best with the with the best with him as well. Not the Met, Toronto Blue Jays, man. Good lord, where do you start? Uh, Vlad Jr., George Springer, Bo Bichette, and that's just scratching the surface. Uh, San Diego, of course, Soto and Manny Machado. Manny Machado hit over thirty home runs in the regular season. The Mets have Peter. The Mets have Peter Alonso and uh, and uh, Francisco Lindor, who hit over twenty five home runs in the regular season. You go ahead and you look at the, at the top two teams. The Yankees, of course, Judge who hit his sixty two. Uh, Judge who hit sixty two home runs. We all know the home run power and the home run capability that Giancarlo Stanton has. Although this year, notwithstanding a large part, because he's been out with injury. The Astros, Trey Mancini, uh, Trey Mancini, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve can hit the ball out of the ballpark. You go in the in the National League side. I mean, when you go with the Dodgers, you Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, uh, Justin Turner. I mean, they got they can they can hit Cody Bellinger. They got guys that can, that can, when they get a hold of one, they can drive it. Where one swing can be an immediate difference maker. Get yourself a couple of runs, you know. The as we call it in Baltimore, the Earl Weave special three run home run. It can do you wonders in playing in playoff baseball. Where the, you and and I and many a teams, you know, as as you know, as the month moves along, many and you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, and the more you know, and and and, and as the playoffs start, as the playoff ball starts to get rolling, a lot of teams will say, you know what? Sometimes you know, all we in playoff games, sometimes all you need is just that one big home run with runners on base, and and with a solid starting pitching effort, and a locked and a, and and two three lockdown guys in the back end of your bullpen. October, that's what you, that's that's pretty much the formula for winning games. Timely getting on base, timely hitting, and that in that in that big extra base hit. Whether they be whether they come in doubles or whether they come in home runs, you're going you're going to need the timely hitting. And and uh, and with the Braves also, you know the Braves with Matt Olson, with uh, Acuna. And that and that roster that can hit the ball. So you go through every single team. You, you know you can name a uh, at least a player or two or or in three and in a lot of teams in some teams cases that are capable of hitting the ball nine miles. With uh, with uh, with Tampa, I don't know. I don't know. Not saying that they. Don't, I don't think they have a chance to win it because you know t- because this is the type of series that Tampa would win. They come into cl- they come into Cleveland with a whole home roster and the whole home roster and everybody thought ah Tampa Bay is going to fizzle out and all of a sudden you know they move on and they're playing who would they who are they pl- matched up against on the other side of the bracket? Let me double check. Next thing you know, they move on and they play. Um, they move on and they would play. Uh, they'd play the Yankees, which would be ironic, but, uh, but that's it. But, you know, and then with Cleveland who can pitch with the best of them. And that's one of the reasons why Cleveland ended up winning the division, ended up winning 92 games is because of the fact that they can just pitch. They can throw Bieber at you. Uh, their back end of the bullpen is not too shabby. And Jose Ramirez, who was living up to the contract extension he got earlier this season, who is, who has just been absolutely phenomenal for him. Uh, with uh, and I'll read you his numbers here in a second, but you know time, good pitching and timely hitting from uh, and then a Quan who's hitting who hit two ninety eight in the regular season. Eddie Rosario wasn't too shabby either, hitting 
uh, hitting uh, 283. Ramirez hit 29 home, led the team in home runs with 29, had 126 RBIs, and hit a 280 this season. You factor that in with uh, with get with Jimenez, who's who's had a solid season, hitting 297, 17 home runs, drove in 69 RBIs. Eddie Rosario, of course, 283, 11 home runs, 71. So you get production out of those guys. And some and a solid starting pitching effort, and count on the fact that the that the you know that runs come at a premium with Tampa. The Cleveland Guardians have a good have a good chance of winning the series, and I did predict them. Uh, if you check out the Twitter at the J Shield tweeted, I prick I predicted them my little bracket for them to uh, take care of Tampa uh, in the wild card series in advance to go play the uh, big bad New York Yankees. The other series uh, in the American League, and then we'll switch to the National League, then take a, and then give you my World Series, or give you my postseason predictions, so to speak, and then uh, sound off on that awful football game from last night uh, with Seattle and Toronto. Uh, Seattle is has been a team that has, and it's I, and it's funny, you know, Seattle won the exact same amount of games last year that they did this year. Last year, if you remember, they won 90 games, missed the postseason. This year, they won 90 and made the postseason. And unlike last year, if my memory serves me correctly, the le- the level of uh, the the playoff field, especially with the, f- the f- with the fact that it was expanded this year, it was a lot more congested this year than it was last year and in seasons past and yet the manners made it this year and last year they they didn't make it and i don't recall if they had anything i don't believe they did but i don't think that it will remember that they had anything to play for 162 of last of last season in late september but this has been a fun team. This has been not not fun for not fun for me because I'm a Bengals Bengals fan, because uh, I'm an Orioles fan, and you know, and the sacrificial lamb that had to be in order for my Orioles to make the postseason would would or would have been the Seattle Mariners. So, but I but granted, I'm happy for their fan base. That that's a long suffering fan base. You know they get. You know they. Uh, of course, with the Seahawks, which will not see the postseason light, which will not see the postseason light of day for a good minute, uh, for obvious reasons. But um, but you know that's a good fan base. They haven't been in a long time. They've had a lot of great players playing that play for that team, whether it be Ken Griffey or Ichiro, and now Julio Rodriguez, and they gave him a contract extension, which he also, in his part, has lived up to. So so they so they've had, now I won't I'm not trying to crown Julio Rodriguez yet at this moment but they've had some great talent come through that organization Felix Hernandez who was one of the best starting pitchers in the game back in his day uh and now and now they have an opportunity to make some noise uh here in the here in the postseason which uh, if you're a baseball fan you know you and you're a sports fan especially ones of a franchise where success hasn't came hasn't come easy over the years you can appreciate that but Seattle I feel like you know it's a feisty team they're riding off a lot of momentum of this this the the city has rallied around them services that has done a hell of a job and that's the only reason why I don't, uh, and this is like kind of getting off the beaten path. This is one of the reasons why I don't 
have Scott Service at this moment in time being my manager of the year in baseball is because I expected the uh, I expected the manners to be this good. I now I was about two wins off. I had him at eighty eight and seventy four. They won two more games, but I had them as a wild card team. I had them making I had them making the postseason. And I had and I just and I just had them being a being a solid ball. Actually, wait, you know what? I lied. I did pick Scott Service. <laughs> I'm looking back at my notes. I was like, you know what? I actually I did pick Scott Service. I don't think he's the manager of the year right now, but uh, I think in the American League, you you could you could quibble, you could argue, and give it to Brandon Hyde. I could care less. In my honest estimation. Yeah, even though they won 83 games, hell of a season. I you 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 guys know how I feel. I I want I wanted playoffs playoffs where they'd be had the team collapse in September. So if they want to make my prediction correct and give it to Scott Service, I have absolutely no problem. I forgot that I picked him. I was like, let me go back in my notes and see. But uh, that's you know that's going to be a hell of a series with Seattle and then Toronto. Toronto honestly scares me, and I understand. I say all the t- you know, I, and I said a few minutes ago, you know, good pitching stops good hitting. But the thing that was scaring me about Toronto is that their offense is so good, and th- and they and you go up and down every single person up and down that lineup can give you trouble. Every they not only can they give you trouble, they can make a pitcher's they can make a pitcher's life a living hell. Doesn't matter if it's just if it's your bullpen, your start. They got guys that can up it that can hit three hits. They can get that kind of three hit nights in their sleep. Whether it be Bo Bichette, who had a hell of a September, Vlad Jr., George Springer is is as damn good of a baseball player as he ever has been. The only problem with George is George is if he can stay healthy and stay on the field long enough in order for him in order for him to produce. But they are just a they they can they can hit their they're the only team I look at the only team I look at uh out of the entire fourteen team field heading into heading into today that can hit their way to a championship. That can literally, and you know, and like with any, and like in football and baseball especially, football you need to, you don't have to have an all-time great defense. It just needs to be timely and just needs to be clutch. Uh, with baseball, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, the nineteen seventy-one starting, start, you know, or start uh, the nineteen seventy-one Orioles starting pitching staff, but you, but you got to be able, but you got to be able to get some outs and somehow get through six innings. With, you know, keeping the game intact with you know, and giving up uh, and giving up less than two, you know, averaging less than two runs a, a game given up, but they can they can hit their way to a championship. I mean, let's just look at the numbers and just see how well Toronto uh, did. Look and see how well Toronto did this season. I mean, you go ahead and you look at what what Bo Bichette did. Bo Bichette hit two ninety. Uh, hit uh, 24 home runs, 93 RBIs. Oh, by the way, he stole 13 stolen bases, OPS of 802. Christian Kirk, their catcher, who's feisty, hit 285, 14 home runs, 63 RBIs, OPS of 787. Vlad Jr., a a subpar season by his standards compared to what he did as an MVP runner-up last year, but but you'll take 274, uh, 32 home runs, 97 RBIs, 819 OPS, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And he led the team in home runs and RBIs aforementioned. 
Uh, George Springer, 267, albeit banged up throughout the period of the season. 267, 25, and 76. And, uh, and how many, let's see, how many games did he play this year? And, and 133 games played this year. That's not too shabby if I do say so myself. So this is, a, you go up and down the lineup. Hernandez leads the, leads the, his team in slugging percentage at four, at four nine, with a 491. I mean, this, this is a team that can hit their way to a championship, I feel like. And the only team out of the 14 team pool that can hit their way to a championship if they're seeing the ball perfectly well and, it, and, and they begin the snowball effect. Because the thing that kills you with Toronto is that once they start scoring, it's a, it's a, take it from me as an Orioles fan that saw him knock Orioles starting pitching all up and down, Rogers Center and Oriole Park. This is a team that once they start scoring, it'll be all, it's, you're going to have your, your pitching staff's in for a hell of a time uh, trying to get them to stop. Having said that, I will pick the Seattle Manners to win that series in an upset. Want to re- Wolf, and you say, well, try over here. Well, look at it. Well, look at it this way. For starters, in postseason play, in baseball more than any other sport, the best team doesn't always win. The team that's ranked higher with the better rest, with the better roster, and some of the times, and sometimes with not even the team that always has the best roster and has the best regular season doesn't always win. More more times than not, it's the team that with the better roster, they go their bats go cold, their starting pitching fouls up. And it's the t- and it's the pl- and it's the it's the mid-level players or the players that aren't as good as their opposition. They're the ones that typically step up and have the big the ha- and have the big series that you know they go uh, fifth they go uh, you know set they go seven for fifteen and and hit like and you know hit five home runs and and starting pitching and there's and the starting pitching staff mows down every single batter you, you put in place in front of them. But um, but that but I I, I like Seattle. I like I like. There's a lot of karma with that baseball team. I think they've had too uh, too much of a too. They've they fought too hard and they've come too far in order for them in order for them to uh, in order for them to lose to uh, in order for them to lose to the Blue Jays. I do think though it's a three game series. I think it's a three game series, but I do not believe that. Uh, but I don't believe. In my estimation, that uh, that the Blue Jays are going to pull it off, I th- I think the I think the Mariners' pitching staff is going to miraculously uh, keep the Blue Jays' bats quiet. I understand. Uh, the, I understand playing a postseason game at the Rogers Center is not an easy task, but you know if there's any team that you know that had all the they that's dealt with plenty of doubt and dealt with plenty of adversity. You know this season, it's the uh, it, and dealt with and dealt with a lot with with the uh, with the mindset of changing the narrative. It's the it's the Seattle Mariners. As we move ahead to the uh, to the National League side of things with the Cardinals and the Phillies, you know this Cardinal team is has been a very it's been a very interesting team to watch. You watch them early in the season, and it's like you know they do it, and, and you say to yourself. They do the Cardinals do just enough to keep themselves competitive, to keep people going, to keep people showing up at the games, and people and keep people walking through the turnstiles. And they put a competitive product on the field. Granted, but they never have that one player, or they never play well enough to break that threshold and to take to where you take them seriously as a baseball fan, as a top tier 
uh, as a as a top tier contender in the National League. And once again, in the you know last year it was the I believe it was the thirteen it was I think I think it was a thirteen game winning streak that they put that they put together in the back end of last season and stormed their way into the and stormed their way into a wild card game against the Dodgers, which they lost in painful fashion via walk off home via walk off home run from Chris Taylor, but uh but you know and they got rid of Schultz the manager, which I thought was was a which was a very Unorthodox, interesting uh, move. They had the huge winning streak to save their season, got into the postseason, and then all of a sudden you can't. You, and you, I believe he also won Manager of the Year, and then they canned him. But um, you know Goldschmidt, Arenado, and and also the another thing with this team too. This team is also playing with a cause. They're playing with they're playing with a motivated cause with with Wainwright. Molina and uh and Albert with it with at least for Molina and uh with Molina and Albert it being their last ever uh postseason run of their career. And listen, and and another thing too, they hear all the noise, all the talk, all the conversation about how basically they're more of a feel good they're not that they didn't earn the division, but they're in the playoffs more as a feel good story. Instead of being a legit top top tier contender to the likes of the Braves, the Mets, and the uh, and the L.A. Dodgers, watch them watch them play that play that little interior play that little interior motive and use it as an element of motivation and find them and find their way into the World Series. They won about what eighty five games when eighty I believe they went eighty five and seventy seven and oh six when they won their first title. And no one and no one saw him, and no one saw that coming. Stranger things have happened. And the, and the, and they also were a team that was hanging on the that was on the brink and was and whose season was hanging in the balance in 2011, and they ended up making it to the World Series. Uh, and they ended up making it all the way to the World Series and winning it, beating the uh, the Texas Rangers when they were down to their final strikes, final out, and then David Freeze came out of nowhere and saved the day for them, and then walked it off to force the game seven. But you know the Cardinals can play that. Everybody thinks ah, you know, you know, no, people are into us because Albert would have seven hundred and Wayne Wright and Molina being their last ride and Albert's last ride too. But you know they can pitch. Timely hitting, pitch timely hitting, and they got some, and they got some sluggers on that team. Cardinals would be a, a sleeper. I wouldn't. Uh, I I'd pay attention to heading into heading into this series against Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is a team that you know was in the toilet. They fired Girardi, hired Thompson, came out of the toilet, and were riding high. I was like, okay, this is the thing that the that the you know this is something that the Phillies need, and they went right back into the doldrums again. Only for them at the last possible second find their way out of it and 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 played their way into playing October baseball uh, against uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals here in the divi- play in the divisional series, getting the sixth seed and the final wild card spot in the National League. Uh, no, excuse me, getting the uh, the second wild card. The uh, no, it's the three, the four, five, six. Yeah, the final wild card spot in the sixth seed in the National League, playing the uh, three seeded St. Louis Cardinals at uh, thirty at ninety three and sixty nine, 
who are the NL Central champions. I think this series, I think this might be a quick series between the two. I, do, I think, and Harper's finally back playing in the postseason. That's another thing, too. They got Harper back at the per, at the perfect opportune time. Remember, he missed a whole hell of a lot of time uh, throughout the season dealing with a, dealing with an arm injury, and they got him, and they got him back. Within the nick of time, when they got him back within within a uh, within a nick within a nick of time, I don't know why the hell I can't speak, and uh, and he definitely helped the uh, helped the um, the Braves bats in the back end of the regular season, got him playing a playoff push, and it's and which is weird saying that uh, in a part of Harper's part because his Nationals, of course, the year he left, they ended up winning the World Series. And you got Bryce Harper back in postseason play, which is something that we haven't had in a long, in quite a long time. And now uh, the game gets one of its best, his their best stars in the sport back playing uh, playoff baseball, which is an interesting uh, thing to pay attention to as well. And then the other wild card series between the Mets and the Braves. This one I feel like uh, I feel like uh, could it could be a surprise series that's over quick. In both accounts, I think either the series could be quick on a part of the fact that the Mets, uh, you know, that the Mets bats fall as- that the that the Mets bats fall asleep like they did like they did last week in uh, in Atlanta, and that the starting pitching can't hold up, which it couldn't in Atlanta, and all and 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 to the point where they get the run support, and then they can't and then they can't hold the lead. Degrom and Scherzer, Scherzer is uh, on the tap to pitch game one. Who was absolutely deplorable. He and Degrom were uh, last week down in Atlanta. Uh, you know, if there's ever an opportunity, an opportune time for a makeup game and a makeup performance, is this. Sure's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, one considered one of the best guy, one of the best starting pitchers in the sport. You spit the bit last weekend and cost the Braves the division. He goes out there and lays an egg and allows Juan Soto to hit the ball out of the ballpark and Manny Machado to have a three-hit night. And uh, Max Scherzer may never have to, may may never have to, or may never uh, show his face in the city of New York and specifically within the borough of Queens at City Field again. Uh, if he screw, if he goes, if he screws around and has a rough night coming up, uh, coming up tonight at eight o'clock, going against you, uh, Darvis, starting pitcher for the San Diego uh, Padres, and you, if you know anything, you know about you, uh, Darvis, you Darvish's. Fallops uh, and postseasons of uh, past, whether it be with San Diego or with the Dodgers, of course, uh, in two thousand in two thousand and seventeen. You got Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa. Uh, no, it's Alex. Excuse me, not Alec. Uh, going on the mound for no, I had it right the first time. It's Alec Al Alec Manoa going for the Toronto Blue Jays in Game One on Friday, who's had a hell of a season in his own right as well. Reach off his uh. Redraw his numbers right quick. Uh, Manoa went. Let's see if I can scroll down here and find it. Uh, Manoa had an excellent season for Toronto this year. I read to you his stat line once I can find it. 224 ERA uh, led his team and wins with 16. 224 ERA, 16 and 7. Uh, 196 innings pitch with a whip slightly below one. He goes on a mount for Toronto, who's had a hell of a regular season uh, as well. Uh, as far as the postseason is concerned, I think that there are 
that uh, there are three three out of the six teams in the American League. I I can see winning a championship, and the Yankees are not one of them. Uh, I can see the Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Guardians winning a championship. Guardians can Guardians have the great player in Ramirez, and they can pitch. And they got the ace starting pitcher, who which is Bieber, who is a who will be a godsend for him at least to, to start in the wild card series against Tampa. The Astros has been there, done that, bought the, you know bought the T-shirt. They can pitch Verlander, who's a Cy Young, who will get who I, in my honest estimation, will get the American League Cy Young. Has had an absolutely his his season this year has just been that of a renaissance. He's been so damn good for him. Uh, Trey Mancini playing in postseason baseball will provide a jolt uh, for him for him personally. Um, and then of course you know with Bregman and Altuve who are as good as they come uh, as a second baseman and third baseman, not just obviously defensively but at the plate. Uh, as well, and the Astros, you know, 106 games, number one seed in the American League. Why wouldn't they be favored to go to the World Series? Um, the Blue Jays, like I said, because they can hit. That they are the one sole team out of the 14 that I can honestly believe they got the good. They got the ace in Manoa, who's who's had a tremendous year, like I've previously mentioned, and they can hit the and they can. They've played many games this year where they can just out hit you. Where it's just one after another, they can hit the ball all over the ball. They can hit, they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. They can keep the ball in the ballpark and still find a way to score to score many a runs. I mean, this same team that scored what over twenty runs uh, back back in the summertime against the Red Sox. This team now I'm not saying the Red Sox is some big litmus test, but this team can hit and they can score with the best of them. And then the third team, uh, and then the third team in the American League, I feel like that can win. Uh, it would be. The uh, well, you know what? It would be the Yankees. I lied. It would be the Yankees. Simply right, sim- but in that order, they would be the third. They, they would be the third team. I don't try. I don't trust. I like the Yankees winning a championship more than I would. More than I do. Uh, more than I do Tampa, and more than I do Seattle. Seattle young team just getting there, and Tampa. I worry. I worry about their offense. Um, but with, uh, but with the Yankees, they have experience in their, in their, in their, uh, in their corner, so to speak. Boone, you know, this is not his first rodeo. He's been, he's played and he's managing the postseason every year. He's been a Yankee manager, 18, 19, 20, 21, and now 2022, uh, won the division 99 games they won this year. They know that if they make it through the the ALDS, whether they play Cleveland or whether they play Tampa, that Houston more likely than not, unless something unforeseen happens, will be right there waiting for them in the ALCS, and they gotta climb. And if they beat Houston, they, they finally get cross that bridge and beat Houston, then they would be a liable threat uh, in the World Series because that because that uh, beating the Yank the Yankees getting back to the World Series and beating Houston and the ALCS to do it and at least for that Yankee team specifically with the manager and players in their locker room they that that they would treat that as their world series 
They they the them beating the Astros to win the pennant and they, and to get the Yankee franchise back to playing World Series baseball. The, and if they were able to and if they were able to defeat that challenge, say it it comes to pass, and if and if the opportunity presents itself, they'd go into that World Series with house money. Whether they beat whether it be they playing the Mets, the Braves if they got themselves back there again, or the Dodgers. Especially if they play the uh, now, if they play the Braves, I think more pressure would be on the Yankees because the Braves won the year before. If they got if they got to the World Series, the pressure would be there if they were to play the Mets, simply because the Subway Series and the Yankees losing a World Series to the Mets, the Yankees would never live that down. Especially Boone and especially Cashman and Steinbrenner, the owner. But it, but if it, you got a Yankees Dodgers World Series, all the pressure would be on the on the on the on the Dodgers winning 111 games, won the division by a complete landslide, and albeit they were the best team in the 2020 season, like the Lakers, it's the same mindset. If you're a basketball fan with the Lakers, and when if you're a baseball fan with the Dodgers, is that yeah, you were, you under the circumstances of no COVID, we're going to win a championship anyway. But you know there wasn't normal circumstances. Full season, normal season with fans in the ballpark. Show us that you can win a championship throughout a six month, hundred and sixty two game regular season and a and a normal and a no normal playoff format. Now, granted, the playoff format this year is exactly the way it was in 2020, but you get the idea. Outside of outside of the fact that you were playing games in neutral sites and with no fans and everything else, but still, you get the idea. But I think uh, it would be um, I have the ALDS matching up between an all AL West ALDS between the Astros and the Mariners. Have the Astros knocking out the Mariners in, a, in the ALDS in in four games. Moving on to the ALCS to play the winner of which I will believe will be the Guardians and the Yankees. I believe the Yankees will win that series advance to the ALCS. You have Astros-Yankees again. Astros beat the Yankees in five games in the ALCS. Advance to the World Series to await on an, as we go to the National League side. I believe the NLDS will be the Cardinals and the Braves. Braves will win. And I, what I believe will be a clean will be a uh, will Braves win that series in a clean sweep in three games, and move on to the NLCS, Dodgers and Mets. I believe the Mets will come out of the series with San Diego, like I aforementioned. Dodgers and Mets, hell of a series. We'll go the full five games. Although I think the Mets will be able to pull it out. Then you'll have an all NL East. Mets versus Braves with the same record, 101 and 61 for the National League pennant. I think the Mets will get their revenge, get to the World Series, Astros, Mets, World Series. Uh, someone, whether it be Dusty or Buck, one of those two will finally get the monkey off their back and will get that uh, that. That that coveted World Series championship that they've been chasing, those two great baseball minds have been chasing for over 20, 20, 25 years, that they've been chasing it for a long time. And I think finally, and I think finally, it will be my man Buck to uh, to bring it home for the New York Mets. And the thing that, and the reason why, in my opinion, on the Mets being World Series contenders hasn't changed. Because this, because them losing, them having a terrible, terrible uh, September like they did, 
not taking advantage of the cupcake schedule and winning the division outright and and also and as well as blowing the division and getting swept by the Braves in the final regular season series of the uh, final weekend regular season uh series of, of the year i think that will be a motivational tactic i think that is i think that them getting swept by the mets or excuse me them getting swept by the Braves choking away the division on top of the bad September that they had, I think that will be a huge motivational tool and motivational factor for the Mets in getting to a World Series. After they coasted and had a pretty much solid, with September, of course, notwithstanding, but I think them have, with, with the solid uh, 75 to 80% of the season that they had up until the bad September, I I think in the back of my mind to say, listen, we cannot let our great season go to waste. We we still in the dance. We still have an opportunity to win the World Series. If we lose the division, granted it was bad, but all we got to do is get to the World Series and win it, and it'll all be forgotten and all be forgiven. And I think they'll internalize that and they'll use it to motivate them, and that's why I think the Mets are going to go to the World Series. The Astros, they're the best team in the American League, without a doubt. Can pitch, they can hit. And a guy experience. And a manager who's hungry as hell and trying to get his first championship. Got to the World Series. It got to the World Series in uh in uh last year and lost in and lost uh, he had to lose in his home ballpark to the Braves. He's eager to get back. But I think they'll run into the Mets. Long segment, but hey, playoff baseball, there's nothing like it. It deserves its sunshine. Speaking of sunshine, there was no sunshine in Denver with the Colts and Broncos game. I'll get into that. Just getting started. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the I'm Telekatiyas podcast. So we move ahead to the week five action taking place on Sunday. Four marquee games to pay attention to uh, this weekend. We will begin with the uh, Giants and the Packers, which is an interesting game uh, in part because it's again because it's in London. Uh, because it's in London. Uh, and also it is in the NFL has been playing games in London for the, on a yearly basis outside of course, the 2020 and I believe the 2021 season as well, uh, since 2007 yet 
this is the first matchup that we've had in the quote-unquote London series uh, where both teams heading into the game are, uh, are, t- are having above 500 record. Which is interesting on paper. You know, you got the Giants, which are two teams that are are two historical franchises within the National Football League, playing solid football, win, winning football, and you, of course, you know, both teams. You know, the Giants are just happy to be three and one. The Packers are lucky to be three and one, and the Packers, of course, their team they they are an NFC playoff contender. The Scott that's got Super Bowl aspirations, and obviously, you know, winning games in the regular season you never take it for granted, and and no win and no win in this league is ever guaranteed, and they could easily be uh, one and three or two and two, uh, just as much as they are currently sitting at three and one heading into Sunday's game, but. They have you know what the uh, what they do for at this point what they do from September to December doesn't matter it's whether or not will they show up in January. Meanwhile, the Giants are a franchise that's trying to get back to playing games in January. And no, I don't mean weeks uh, seventeen and eighteen in the beginning of January. I mean still playing football come uh, Dr. King Day and in the days in January uh, after afterwards. As but they're you know they're on their way. Uh, three and one, an ugly three and one, but still three and one nevertheless. Wink Martindale's done a sensational job, uh, with that defense. He is a blitz-heavy defensive coordinator, and it worked. And it's worked many times for the Giants throughout the, so far this season. It worked. Uh, it worked well against Tannehill and the Titans in Week One. It uh, it worked it worked well, of course, last week against the Chicago Bears with their piss poor offensive line. Uh, it didn't work out well for them against uh, against Dallas on that Monday night, but it worked well against Carolina. The rattle Baker Mayfield in a 19-16 victory for them. But uh, Jay, but you got uh, but it's, it's but it should be a formidable. There, I tell you this: their defense, the 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 Giants will be in this game for as long and as and as and as uh, much as their defense allows them to. If their defense, like New England last week, like Tampa the week before that, gives Aaron Rodgers fits, has him on his back, has him rushing his throws, uh, you know, keeps the uh, the line of communication and keeps the uh, the chemistry or lack thereof, you know, foggy, and to where the young receivers of Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers are off kilter and they're not on the same page and not lockstep with the game plan and and you know he's supposed to zig when he's supposed to zag you know and all and, and you basically see the same offense that you saw from green bay week one or excuse me last week against uh new england and the same offense you saw uh essentially all game long for the most part outside of a couple of drives against tampa the week before that then the giants will have a i don't think they will win because of course aaron Rodgers over daniel jones dub that's basically what this game comes down to and the fact that the uh that the uh, Green Bay Packers have a better quarterback, obviously, than the New York football giants do. But, you know, don't be surprised if this game's heading into the half or coming out of the third quarter with it being relatively tied, you know, with uh, the Packers up, you know, 14-10, 13-10, 13-7, 14-7, you know, where if Green Bay's up, they're up by about a a score, no more than 10 points. And if if the Giants are are winning, they're up, you know, no more than, than, you know, than three three points to a touchdown. So, which I think has a great, has has a, there's a decent 
uh, chance, I believe, in my estimation of of, it, uh, of that uh, scenario happening, where this game is close coming out of the uh, this game is close coming out and in, going into halftime, coming out of halftime, and maybe if the Giants are lucky, uh, coming out of the uh, third quarter, heading into the fourth. But I think this, you know, I Martindale, you know, Rogers, uh, you know, you got to be careful with blitz with uh, with blitz and Rogers because eventually, with the great pro that he is, he's going to read the blitz and say and and LaFleur is going and LaFleur of the Spike Coins is going to adjust. He's going to say, okay, with them blitzing, we need short, quick, simple routes. You know, it's one, it's it's one, two, it's one, two, three, and the ball is out. One, two, three, ball is out. You know, so if so, if Martindale gets a little blitz happy and gets a little blitz crazy, and and although they're rattling Rodgers and they're making him sweat and they're making him work to get the ball out of his hands, but they're not, you know, sacking him on every single play like they did against Chicago last week. I expect Green Bay to make the necessary adjustments on the offensive side, adjust their uh, adjust their uh, their blocking schemes, their blocking assignments up front, and uh, and Lafleur with Rodgers get with the receiver and say, hey. You know, we we can't you know let the ball launch. You know, one guy I, one guy go deep, and the other ones you know quick in routes and in routes, out routes, curl routes, and slant routes and uh, and drag routes under you know underneath underneath, and then we'll take advantage of uh, of the Giants of the Giants defense that way, which I would expect to happen. I expect this to be a game that's that's close for about a half into the third quarter and then you know whether it be a Daniel Jones turnover you know or 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 just a blown coverage by by the Giants and and uh, and Green Bay takes advantage and will either it'll get bring them enough momentum to either tie the game or go out in front and like I expect Green Bay to win this game by about you know, 7 10 points tops but I, it's an intriguing matchup on paper you know if the this would mean the absolute world to the Giants if they were able to pull off the upset. Green Bay's favored by eight points, by the way. If they were able to pull off the upset and absolutely steal a game and and and, and be four and one, having beat the big bad Green Bay Packers, it would mean more to the Giants winning this game, obviously, than it would mean to the Green Bay Packers. But hey, neutral site game, not playing in Lambeau. You're in London, across the country. Why not go out there and put on a show? Daniel Jones, who was it, who had to come out of the game last week against Chicago, says he's likely to play as of this moment in time. So you know, Daniel Jones, protect the football, man. Protect the football, especially with that Green Bay Packer defense, which has been stout, which has been uh, on fire to begin the season. Got after Tom Brady. Uh, got after Tom Brady well uh, two weeks ago in their win against uh, in their win against Tampa in Tampa. So if you're Dan Jones, got to protect the football because you know that that uh, that that uh, Green Bay Packer defense uh, will come hunting just as much as you got as just as much as Winks guys will. Uh, that's game number one to pay attention to. Game number two is the uh, game of the week at 4:25 on Fox between the Cowboys and the Rams. And this is a game that if I'm a Rams fan and take it from me as a Bengals as a Bengals fan that that uh that that yeah punched in the mouth by the Dallas Cowboys back in week two. Take it from my own personal experience. This is a game that if you're a Rams fan, you gotta look at this game as if you're you gotta look at the you gotta look at this game against Dallas as if it's as if it's uh your game against uh 
who does uh as if it's the Buffalo game in the aspects of if you don't have your A game and you don't have a plan to stop your opponent's best player is going to be a long night. Uh, because Micah Parsons is to the Dallas Cowboys to what Josh Allen is to the Buffalo Bills, where once they get on the roll, boy, look out, because it, it is not going to be a fun afternoon or a fun game, a fun three hours if you're a fan of of uh, of their opponent. Uh, th- but this is a intriguing game. I'm looking forward to watching this game uh, because, th- because I think Dallas, Dallas, you know, they're with the way that they've played with Coop Rush over the last few weeks. On top of how bad the Rams were against uh, against the Forty ers on Monday night, if I, you'd be you got to be concerned. This Dallas Cowboy just to read what they did against uh, against Washington on Sunday. This Dallas Cowboy defense got after. They only sat Carson once twice, but they but they had him to 170 passing yards, forced two interceptions, and the Commanders offensively were five of 15 on third down. They were five of 15 on third down and forced Carson once to turn over the football twice, and they sacked him twice. If you are, and if you're the Rams and and with when Stafford who got sacked uh, six times on Monday night by that vaunted defense in front of San Francisco, you gotta have a plan to stop and to shut down and take Michael Parsons out of this game. If you shut down the Dallas Cowboy defensive pass rush, if you don't, if 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 uh, if if Matthew Stafford. Doesn't stop throwing to the wrong damn team and does and 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 uh, and 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 refuses to or excuse me and doesn't give uh, Trayvon Diggs a couple of highlight highlight reel uh, type plays and doesn't gift them a few interceptions. The Rams could be in for, could be in for 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 a bad night. I mean, simply because of the fact that especially if you're the Rams, this is not a team. That you can afford, you know, Matthew Stafford, he couldn't afford any pick sixes Monday night against San Francisco, but the, but that pick six was like, you know, it was the coup de grace of the game. If Matthew Stafford gives up a pick six, which he leads the league in, by the way, Hall of Famer, my ass. If he gives up another pick six, if those are pick six at an elevated time where either the game is tight and the Rams are trying to climb out of a deficit or the game is tied, or the Cowboys are up a touchdown or or field goal or so, that could end up being the difference maker in the game. Because what you do not want to do, if you're a team that's got a struggling offense going up against a team with a with a respectable, decent offense in turn and a shutdown defense like Dallas, you cannot afford to give them any free possessions. You can. I said the same thing in the Bengals game. I'll say it again in the like with the, like with the Bengals in their week two game coming off of the four interceptions that Burrow threw uh, against against Pittsburgh in week one, they couldn't afford to come into Dallas and have Joe Burrow be be lack and be careless with the football when your offense is in a rut and the offense and the Cowboy offense does just enough to put points on the board to give the, their defense a chance to shut down opponents for them to win games. And that was coming off of their loss against Tampa, but still, it's just the way that, it's just the way that their team that their team this year without Dak Prescott is constructed. They are constructed to play with leads and to play in close games. If you are Matthew Stafford, if you're the Rams and you throw a dumb bonehead ass nine interception, 
pick six to be more specific, and you're and you're down seventeen ten with about three forty in the fourth quarter with the game still hanging in the balance. You're done. You're down seventeen ten. You're down twenty ten. You throw a pick six with like less than eight minutes, less than seven six minutes to go in regulation. You're cooked. You're not winning that football game because what you're going to do, they're going to take the football, go right back, go up seven. They steal a position, so now you're up two scores. you got to use your timeouts. Your offense has had a bad night. Offensive line's piss poor. You can't run the football worth a damn because Sean McVay, as we discussed on Tuesday, was trigger happy and, and, and was that was looking at an opportunity, finding an opportunity to be to abandon the run game. You have no run game. You hell bent like Russell Wilson with Sutton with uh, Stafford throwing the ball to Cooper Cup all the damn time. Well, you don't think that uh, that, uh, that 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 Dan Quinn is going to have a game plan and say, "Hey, Diggs." Digs and, uh, and and digs and and player B, you guys, your assignment: make sure that Cooper Cup doesn't beat us. And if he catches passes, he catches them and it gets immediate and gets met with immediate contact. The Dallas the Dallas Cowboy defensive game plan is simple: get after Matthew Stafford and make Matthew Stafford throw the ball to anyone else but Cooper Cup. That is that that is one of the simplest. Game defensive game plans heading into a game that that you, that you can decipher out of all these games heading in. Get after Matthew Stafford, which means Micah Parsons and that defensive front for Dallas. You go all blitz the hell out of the quarterback. Get after his ass and go ahead and hunt while the secondary lock up Cooper Cup and make him throw to anybody else but him. If Allen Robinson finally comes alive and has a huge game, you live with it. If uh, if 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 um if Ben Skoranek has a huge game, you'll you you know the the uh, their their de facto fullback number eighteen. If he has a huge game on Sunday, you'll live with it. If if Cam Akers runs the football up and down up and down your throats, and McVay doesn't aban- doesn't abandon the run for a change, you'll live with it. If Henderson, same thing, you'll live with it. If Tyler Hig- if Tyler Higby has a big time afternoon, you will live with it. But you c- get after Matthew Stafford and lock and put the clamps down on Cooper Cup. You get after Matthew Stafford and put the clamps down on Cup, which is and they and they let and they let Cup have his numbers, but they didn't let him take over the game. They didn't let Cooper Cup uh, put his imprint and implant on the game like he did, like he did last year, like he did in the championship game against San Francisco back in January. Forty Nine Davis didn't let him do that. He had to let him have his numbers: fourteen receptions for bucks twenty-two, but not, but if they kept him out of the end zone, and they were garbage time numbers. They were they were empty. They were, they were empty calories they had no they had no real substance those his numbers that he put up on Monday night had no real substance in terms of the outcome of the game and what the Rams offensive production you're the Dallas Cowboy defense and Dan Quinn Dan Quinn you have that same philosophy same philosophy put Matthew Stafford on his ass and you lock down Cooper Cup Stafford was sacked seven times on Monday night I expect him to get sacked no less than three no less than three. I think this is a game that the Dallas Cowboys could absolutely steal. 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 And I and hell, I may root for Dallas to win this game. Who the hell knows? I and I can I hate the Cowboys. 
but I, I may root for them because they're not because they're an underdog, and the Rams are still in my doghouse for obvious reasons. I may root for the Cowboys to win this game. We'll see. Stay tuned for the pick segment coming up later on in the program. And then game number three, the aforementioned uh, and the uh, and the game of the counter. This is this is the game. You know, other people. It's other people. It's uh, it it was. It was Chiefs Bucks Sunday night last last week. It's it's Bills it's Bills and Chiefs next Sunday afternoon. The game that I the first game on the calendar, the first one, the first game on the calendar that I had circled when the schedule came out and we spent time talking about it back in May. The first game was Bengals Ravens right here in Baltimore on Sunday night football. That was that was the game. That's that's the that by far is the game of week five, uh, throughout throughout the week five slate from heading into the last night on Thursday night through the Monday night game. That is by far the the, the Chiefs beat the hell out of the Raiders all the time in Kansas City, so that's out. And the uh, the Thursday night game on paper wasn't very good to begin with anyway. And uh, and Cowboys Rams is only intriguing because it's the defending champions against the ratings junkies that are the Dallas Cowboys. Cooper Rush, and not that Dak Prescott was either, but it's it, it's an oh it's it'll, it could be an entertaining game to watch, but isn't a great but it isn't a great fantastic remote stopper game on paper the way that Bengals and Ravens is because Bengals and Ravens of course. You know the history. The then the two matchups heading the two matchups that the two teams, uh, or the, excuse me, the two games that the both played against each other last year, where the the Bengals didn't just beat the Ravens. And I'm not saying this as a Bengals fan bragging. It's just the way it is, objectively speaking. The Bengals didn't just beat the Ravens. They beat the hell out of them and they absolutely embarrassed them. They kicked their ass up and down M&T Bank Stadium and then named Paul Brown State Paul Brown Stadium. They embarrassed them. Embarrass them. The Bengals, the Bengals coming off of an impressive win against Detroit in Detroit, coming into Baltimore, big bad Ravens, Ravens flying high in the AFC North. Everyone's like, okay, the Bengals got some wins under their belt in September. Let's see how good they are. You know, and this is after they beat the piss out of Pittsburgh and they beat and they beat the Lions and they beat uh, and they beat the Vikings in overtime week one with their only bad game that they had that, that at that point in the season was uh, when they got ambushed by the Chicago when they got ambushed in the Chicago by the Chicago Bears in week two. They got they head into Baltimore and what do they do? They play it close and and they play Baltimore tough in the first half and the second half they explode. Jamar Chase went nuts. I can read I can read you the stats, but you know them by now. Uh, and Joe Burrow just went absolutely crazy. And then, and this is where, and, and this is where the Raven fan doesn't like they they get amnesia when you talk about this game, and they love to say, oh well, Joe Burrow did nothing but beat a bunch of backups and third stringers and practice squad guys, while conveniently forgetting two things: a, their then defensive coordinator at the time, Wake Martindale, poked the bear, and that is mocking and making and and talking about Joe Burrow with the Hall of Fame jacket stuff. And secondly, the Ravens had eight wins and were still competing and and were still mathematically and logically via the eye test in play with winning the AFC North at that point period in time. And albeit they had to try out third stringer Josh Johnson, they still had they still had something to play for, which is something that Ravens fans conveniently forget when you talk about the week sixteen game at, at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, at at Paul Brown Stadium late in December of last year, last season, where Joe Burrow set the Bengals franchise 
uh, record for the most passing yards in a game with over 500 yards of uh, with a 500 yards uh, of offense. But this is a game history, and I bring all that up to say that if you're the Bengals and if you're Zach Taylor, you know going into this game that the Ravens got one thing and one thing on their mind, and that is revenge. If you expect the Ravens to come out, if you expect the Ravens to come out this game flat, if you are Zach Taylor or if you're a Cincinnati Bengal player, you best get it out your head and get that out of your mindset right now. On top of the history of what occurred between these two teams last year, on top of the fact that the Ravens in the in, in their last two in their in two out of their last three games and in their last two home games, they've done nothing but spit the bit and blow double digit leads in both, double digit leads in the in the in the fourth quarter in both games against the Dolphins in week uh Against against the against the Dolphins in week uh, in week three and against um, no excuse me against the Dolphins in week two and against the uh, and against the um, Bills in week four they're hungry and and if that wasn't enough they're currently riding an eight game or excuse me a five game a home losing streak in which they had not won a home game since, ironically enough, the last time they were on Sunday Night Football, which you have to go back to week 12 of last year's se- of last season when they played an AFC North rival opponent from the state of Ohio in the Cleveland Browns on Sunday Night Football. So all things are pointing up Ravens for them to bounce back. The home, lo- the home losing streak... They've lost two out of the last three games in the fashion that they've in the in the fashion that they have in blowing double digit leads in the fourth quarter, and it has an opportunity to come full circle, ending the home losing streak on Sunday Night Football, which was the last uh, on Sunday Night Football against an AFC division rival from uh, the AFC division rival team from Ohio. It has an opportunity to come full circle. Haven't won a game since, and they have an opportunity to get back on track. When their first game, when their first home game in Eons, and uh, get a little revenge from the two beatdowns they took from Cincinnati uh, from last year, which would not surprise me. Now, do I expect? Do I expect a blowout of any kind? No. I expect my heart to be racing and me to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, me not being able to fall asleep till about a little before 1 o'clock in the morning uh, just based on just how the how these Bengal games have gone over the last over the last you know few weeks dating back to the playoffs of last year. So I do I do not expect the blowout regardless who wins. I just I it'd be hard to convince me that this that the winner of this game would win a game would win this game by by more by more than eight points you would you'd have a hard time convincing me you would have a hard time uh convincing me of that so i i think this game will not be a blowout by any sense of the imagination that this game will be tied and you'll have many elite changes throughout this game um and i and it would and i wouldn't and i would not be surprised at all in the slightest that if the uh that that if the uh baltimore ravens come out of sunday night uh, leaving with the victory, ending their home losing streak, and me 
uh, getting on Zach Taylor for piss poor play calling and decision making uh, to lead off Tuesday's show. I wouldn't put it past you in the, in the slice of the imagination. But the thing that is optimistic from Cincinnati Bengals side of things is uh, with in the fact that they've played well the last two weeks. They've scored 27 points in both losses. Offensive lines giving Burrow a clean pocket, which has been absolutely sensational. Tyler Boyd took advantage of the fact that T hit, that, a, that a Jamar Chase was locked down in large part by Sauce Gardner in Week Three against against the Jets, and then uh, he was at one and one play he was quadruple quadruple teamed. I said that right, quadruple teamed by the Miami Dolphins secondary once upon a time last week on Thursday night against the Dolphins, and it opened up for and opened up an opportunity for T. Higgins to play, uh, for him to have a field day, uh, for him to have a field day on Thursday night. He's been dealing with an ankle injury all week through practice. All signs point that he will be ready to go to play on uh, on thir- on uh, Sunday night. Bengals back-to-back primetime games, week four and week five. Week four on Thursday night, week five on uh, on Sunday night. This is primetime game two of uh, five for Cincinnati this season as of right now. And I think the way the Steelers season is going, is, it most likely will be flexed. They got Sunday night one more They got Sunday night one more time against Pittsburgh later on in the season. And they got two Monday night games, one at the end of the month on October 31st against Cleveland. And they got another one on a Monday night, which will be a big, 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 big time football game against the Buffalo Bills coming up. Uh, coming up in in the back end of the season, but you know the Bengals they got to win the turnover battle in this game. Both teams heading into this game rank top ten in turnover differential. Bengals didn't turn over the football uh, in any of their last two losses. Last time they really haven't turned over the football at all since uh, week one, or not or not at all. But they just haven't turned over the football since week one against Pittsburgh. So they've taken care of the football in their last four games, which is a tremendous sign. Ravens have turned over the football, uh, have turned over the football, uh, have turned over the football. They, of course, Lamar with the interception last week, uh, or excuse me, two interceptions last week to Jordan Poyer and the bill and their bills loss. the turnover, who will win the turnover battle and will win the uh, turnover margin will be significant in this game. And then with uh, and then with the Bengals, uh, just to go through it here, Jackson has rushed for seventy plus yards in each of of his last three games. Um, uh, and the, while the Bengals defense enters this game with the league's ranks with the league, ranking the fourth uh, best league, rushing defense in all the National Football League, which is allowing eighty five, nearly eighty six yards a game. Um, and, uh, and they held Lamar Jackson in week seven to just 88 yards on the ground. And the Bengals have gone 18 straight games, including the playoffs of last year without allowing a quarterback to rush for more than 40 yards. We'll see if we'll see what Lou Anarumo has dialed up for the Bengals defense. Um, and, but this, this has, and then of course with Cincinnati, you know, being able to keep Joe Burrow, keeping Joe Burrow, uh, upright and giving them a clean pocket. They've done so the last two games. We'll see if they can make it a third, and uh, and it will. And they got a decent chance to do it because the Ravens' pass rush has been non-existent underneath this new defensive coordinator, and the fact that they just do not have the amount. You know, they had to sign JPP off the street about a week and a half, two weeks ago, just goes to show the lack of pass rush that exists with that Baltimore Ravens defense should be an intriguing one. And then the final one, final game on the on the slate in Week Five is the Raiders and the Chiefs. 
The Raiders took care of business due to the Seahawks, due to the Broncos, and after two fumbling football all over the place, and Josh Jacobs running for a buck sixty plus on the ground. Uh, you know they head into Kansas City to play Kansas City on Monday night. Kansas City looks like it's back to his old self, at least after they mopped the floor with Tampa last uh, last Sunday night. The Chiefs beat the hell out of the Raiders. Why do I think it'll be any different? Mahomes will put on an absolute show, and uh, the grass ain't always greener on the other side. If you're Devontae Adams, we take a break. We will close out the show with the week five picks. This is the Amatelekatias podcast. Back to the I'm gonna tell you is podcast. <sighs> busy time, busy day, busy program here on the aforementioned I'm gonna tell you is podcast program. Hope you all are enjoying the show. Don't be afraid to share with your friends and family. Like and share. Uh, and follow the show on Twitter at Emma Tell underscore it is and the show on Instagram. And I'm a tell underscore uh, podcast if you haven't already. Uh, busy time in sports. You got the Major League Baseball playoffs from Friday up until as late as early November. You got college football in the NFL on your weekends along with, with the NFL on Monday and Thursday night. You got, uh, I believe, if I saw, uh, I read correctly that the NHL regular season begins uh, today, which is hard to believe that it's uh, it's October seventh and we're playing, we're starting our winter sports. Really, I mean, but uh, I don't make the rules, and the NHL basically knows that nobody cares about them as far as you know, a draw- drawing uh, and building up their fan base. So it is what it is. Um, and then of course you have, uh, and then of course within the next week, two weeks or so, you'll have the NBA regular season starting up. Uh, so you got your winter sports just starting their new season. Football just getting their sea legs under it, entering their second month of the new uh, and their first full month of their new season. And of course, you have the baseball playoffs uh, as well. Busy time in sports, but it is uh, a football Friday. Week five picks in the National Football League in the league where they play. For pay. Game number one between the New York Football Giants and the Green Bay Packers. Packers are favored uh, minus seven and a half. Give me turn the music down a little bit. As the Green Bay Packers favored minus seven and a half. 
coming off of their overtime victory over the New England Patriots last week while the Giants coming off of their week uh, four victory against the Chicago Bears. Uh, give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game in, an in a competitive close one by the final score of 22-10. Move along to the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on uh, the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored by two touchdowns minus 14 points. Kenny Pickett's uh, NFL starting debut for Pittsburgh, who's coming off of a, a week four loss at home to the, to the Bills division rival New York Jets, while Buffalo's coming off of their last second victory against Pittsburgh's rival Baltimore in Baltimore. They come back home to take on the Steelers, favored by 14 points. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game by the final score of 42-10. Moving along to game number three here in our slate between the Los Angeles Chargers, who are favored by a field goal, taking on the Cleveland Browns. Browns last time out lost a heartbreaker to the Atlanta Falcons while the Chargers uh, coming off of a bounce-back victory against the Houston Texans on the road. Give me the Chargers to win this game by the final score of 28-17 as we move ahead to Houston and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are favored by a touchdown coming off of their uh coming off of their uh well, excuse me Houston coming off of their aforementioned loss to the uh to the Los Angeles Chargers and Jacksonville coming off of their uh, sloppy uh, week 4 defeat where they turned over the football a bunch Trevor Lawrence huge part of that putting the ball on the ground with the fumbles uh against the uh Philadelphia Eagles in week 4 Jacksonville's fair by touchdown. Give me Jacksonville to win this game by a touchdown by the final score of 27-20. We move ahead with the Chicago Bears taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings won via a Will Lutz miss double doink over in London uh, last Sunday morning here in the East. While the Chicago Bears coming off of a week four defeat at the Meadowlands at the hands of the New York football giants. Give me the Minnesota Vikings to win this game by the final score of 31-10 as they move it along to the Detroit Lions who are coming off of a, uh, a tough, tough, tough loss where their offense is funny. With Detroit, they have the league's worst defense in terms of points allowed per game, and they have the league's best offense as far as points scored per game. Uh, both, I believe, at the 35-point mark. It just goes to show you with the Detroit Lions as they lost last time out in, a, in an absolute uh, shootout that nobody saw coming against the Seattle Seahawks. Detroit, give me the Detroit Lions who are going up against the uh, New England Patriots who lost in overtime uh, to the Green Bay Packers last week. Give me the Detroit Lions to take care of business and win this game by the final score of 27 to 7 by the final score of 27 to 20. We move things along and move things ahead with uh, Bailey Zappi, the man behind center for uh, for the New England Patriots last week against Green Bay. The Seattle Seahawks head into New Orleans to take on the Saints, who are 5-5, five five, 
coming off of their um uh, coming off of their aforementioned loss in London to the Vikings. Seattle in the Afri- coming off of the aforementioned uh shootout victory against the Detroit Lions last week. New Orleans is favored minus five and a half. Give me the Seattle Seahawks though to win this game by the final score of thirty-one to twenty-one. We move things ahead with the Miami Dolphins, who are three and a half point favorites, taking on the New York Jets. Jets getting Zach Wilson back for the first game of the 2022 season last week in their victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers, while the Dolphins have had some time to think about uh, their uh, loss against the Cincinnati Bengals last Thursday night, or two Thursday nights ago, I should say. No to attack Valoa, obviously. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater will be the man behind center for Miami. Give me the Jets to win this game and an upset by the final score of 26-23. We move things along with the uh, game number. We move things along with the Atlanta Falcons, who are in Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady and his long, illustrious, decorated career has never lost a game to the Atlanta Falcons. That's not a made-up stat. He has never, ever in his career since being in the league in the year 2000, being a starter, starting quarterback since 01, lost the Atlanta Falcons. And why in the world should he start now? Eight-and-a-half-point favorites Tampa Bay are, or Tampa Bay is, excuse me, coming off of this Sunday night. Uh, beat down at the hands of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, while Atlanta's coming off of a clutch victory, uh, a, a clutch and heart-racing victory against the Cleveland Browns last week. Give me the Tim Bay Buccaneers to bounce back in this game by the final score of 31-14. We move things ahead with the Tennessee Titans, who are two-and-a-half-point favorites, taking on the Washington Commanders. Um... Taking on the Washington Commanders, the Commanders the last time out, they uh, got they were handled pretty mildly by the uh, by Cooper Rush, Ceedee Lamb, and the Dallas Cowboys last week. They returned home to host the Tennessee Titans, who are coming off of their uh, Week Four victory against the Indianapolis Colts on the road. Give me the Tennessee Titans to take care of business in this game uh, by the final score of 27 to 17. We move things ahead with the San Francisco 49ers, who are coming off of, who are on a short week, but coming off of a impressive and uh, and dominant victory against their division rival uh, Los Angeles Rams in a rematch of last of last season's uh, NFC Championship game. Six and a half point favorites taking on the hapless Carolina Panthers, uh, who just have not gotten anything going. Baker Mayfield stinks. Matt Rule is uh, his hot seat is uh, is on fire at this point they lost uh, last week at home to the arizona cardinals san francisco six and a half point favorites give me uh, the san francisco 49ers win this game by the final score of 28 to 13 we move things ahead with the philadelphia eagles who are five and a half point favorites taking on the aforementioned cardinals who beat the who beat the panthers last week Philadelphia Eagles uh, lost, or excuse me, are the only undefeated team in the National Football League, having taken care of business against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week in a monsoon. Five and a half point favorites. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles to improve 
2-5-0 on the season by the final score of 31-17. The Dallas Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Los Angeles Rams, who uh, lost to the aforementioned San Francisco 49ers earlier this, earlier this work week on uh, Monday night. Meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys are coming off of yet another impressive, no, not impressive, but a dominant victory against the uh, Washington Commanders at home. Give me the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. You heard me right. The Dallas Cowboys will win this game in an upset by the final score of 24-14 against the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. The Cincinnati Bengals in the Game 5 matchup of the week taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens last week uh, lost in heartbreaking fashion. We, of course, we broke it down with Harbaugh and the challenges, or excuse me, not the challenges, but the timeouts, uh, and, but the timeouts against Buffalo uh, in Week 4 as my Bengals are, have had some time to think about. Uh, during their during their mini bye week, uh, with their Thursday night victory uh, over the Miami Dolphins uh, in Week Four, as they head to Baltimore for a highly anticipated divisional matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, looking for revenge, as we discussed earlier in the show. Harbaugh with the bad challenge on the fourth and inches, cost them the timeout, didn't handle his timeouts properly. Uh, of course, not him not being clear with his defense when to let Singletary score. To let him score, to not let him score. Of course, his decision to leave Lamar Jackson and company on the field on that fourth and goal inside the Buffalo five-yard line came back to bite him in the ass. Ravens riding a five-game uh, home losing streak. It's a blackout. The Ravens turn up for home primetime games. Nelly will be there to perform at halftime. I might be there in the building yet to be determined as of this moment in time right now. But give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game and an absolute thrilling classic by the final score of 31-28. Baltimore's favored by a field goal to win by a field goal, 31-28 in a thriller against my Cincinnati Bengals. And the Monday night game between the AFC West division rivals and the Vegas Raiders coming off of their first win of the season last week against the Denver Broncos go uh, fly eastward to Kansas City and Arrowhead to take on Kansas City. It's hard to believe it's week five and this is only Kansas City's second home game. We've played the first four weeks of the season and the Chiefs have only played one home game. Think about that. They've only played one home game. This is their only their second home game of the season uh, thus far in the young year. Kansas City coming off of their impressive dominating Sunday night victory in a Super Bowl 55 rematch against the Bucks. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game handily by the final score of 38-14. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are your Week 5 picks against the spread and that is another episode of the umtelecatis podcast in the books this is your boy jay shields follow me on twitter and instagram at the jay shield i will talk to you guys on tuesday enjoy week five of the national football league week six college football and enjoy the wild card series as we begin 
uh, playoff baseball 2022 within Major League Baseball. And if you're a hockey fan, enjoy the puck drop over the next two days. Have a great weekend. See ya.